ball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. What's up, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Nosebleeds WFUV Sports Baseball Podcast. Along with Lou Orlando and Andy Perez, I'm Colin Locker, and happy to be with you. Gentlemen, it's July 28th, Friday. Very lovely Friday here in New York. A very hot Friday here in New York. We are very close to the trade deadline. Mayhem. Always a chaotic time in the baseball schedule. Before we get to any of it, any of the local teams, the Mets, Yankees, national news as it concerns the Angels, Dodgers, other places. How are you guys doing, Lou? I'll start with you. Yeah, it's been it's been a minute since I've been on nosebleed. So this is it's kind of exciting. Feels a little new. I don't. I mean, this is like this is the people have said this before. This is like the coolest two week span in baseball until playoffs. The deadline stuff. You have no idea where people are going to go. So. I'm pretty happy to be here, man. Andy, I've been clocking in some really late hours on Twitter from seeing if anything's going to happen, reading up on all the latest rumors. I know you're an Angels guy, so I can imagine you've been having these similar types of situations over the past couple of days. Yeah, I mean, a couple of days ago, I thought Shohei was going to end up in Baltimore, Tampa Bay, and then all of a sudden I find out he's staying with the Angels and we make the first – honestly, I think the first big move of the deadline concerning pitching – so just excited to see the Angels actually try to go all in for once rather than kind of middling one. Well, before we get to those Angels, let's start with the locals. The Subway Series just concluded a split once again, this time the Bronx portion ending in split. The Mets took the first game by a score of 9-3. to Yankees took the second game by a final of 3-1. to Carlos Rodon grabs his first win in pinstripes. I do want to start with the Bronx Bombers. Aaron Judge, guys, supposedly coming back tonight against the Baltimore Orioles. The Yankees did DFA Willie Calhoun. That's the latest news that we do have at our disposal. So everything does point to Judge coming back. And, Lou, I saw you smirk there. Willie no longer going to be able to bang as part of the Bronx Bombers. But Judge coming back, basically what you were hoping for is for him to contribute to this offense in a meaningful way. But you got to think that his presence point blank will help this team i mean it has to because if it doesn't then what has this month and change been been for right this has all been just trying to tread water and probably failing to tread water while you wait for judge to get back because i mean it's night and day when you compare what the offense looked like with judge and without judge i think the scary thing though is that you start to look at the underlying numbers and you start to look at the offensive numbers and the offense was starting to dip even when Judge was in the lineup. Like, Judge was obviously helping them get some wins. But you just look at the overall offensive test statistics, including what Judge was doing, that the offense was starting to dip before he got hurt. And now that I think this offense has been exposed, I mean, like, why would you Why would you ever pitch to Judge, right? Who, who else in this lineup is, you know, are you scared of that you're not just going to walk Judge in a big moment, right? That's where I think the perception of the Yankees' offense has changed dramatically, I like I kind of don't know what to expect, right? We saw Stanton come back with a one rehab game and it took him about a month to even get somewhat close to being like solid at bats. Judge hasn't done any rehab games. We know that 
like the injury is still there. It's not like it's gone. The pain is just now manageable. So I, I kind of don't know what to expect. Andy, it yeah. seems as though getting Judge back could have a ripple effect if you're an optimist. If you're a pessimist, the same could be true. But it already feels like the Yankees season is starting to slowly slip away. You're hoping that Judge is the thing that keeps it on course. Yeah, I think if you're a Yankees fan, you're kind of just hoping that Judge comes back and provides some type of offensive stability when, you know, the middle of your lineup with Rizzo, LeMahieu, and even Stanton just hasn't been up to par and performing and giving you the numbers that you thought you would be getting out of the big names like that. So, I mean, this this series coming up in Baltimore is going to be huge just in ter- if, if Judge does play as kind of a litmus test to see where the Yankees stand right now and if they can if they're in a position to be buyers at that August 1st deadline. I think there's no question they have to be buyers. Personally, I'm optimistic as it pertains to Judge coming back and about the Yankee season as a whole. However, the type of injury he did sustain concerns me. It was a toe injury. He's been out since early June, knocked in the wall at Dodger Stadium, that right field wall. I believe there was concrete there that played a part in a ligament getting damaged. Listen, this is a guy that has 19 home runs over his season so far. He's going to come back. Andy, by the way, 19 which, home runs. Which is crazy when you think about the amount of time that this guy has missed. He's going to have to be really good for this offense to be competitive. I'm still cautiously optimistic because I believe the pitching will slowly get better as we get towards the stretch run here. I mean, you're seeing it now. Rodon had a very good start against the Mets, in my estimation. Garrett Cole is going to be Garrett Cole if Luis Severino can find somewhat of what we believe he is that's a big question mark i'm not going to say that that's for sure going to happen i believe the pitching will be good enough to where if you get something out of judge and something out of a rizzo or a stanton you should be all right also if you're the yankees deadlines here you got to go out and buy for cashman if you're hal steinbrenner i think you look at cashman and go well I don't know what the long-term plan is after this year because, as we saw, not every year is going to be 2022 where there were comparisons to the 27 Yankee. No, injuries happen. You get bad breaks. Trevino out for the year. You got to figure out and piece together who's going to be your catcher. And that's going to be a big loss in the postseason, by the way, Lou. I want to talk about this too. Obviously, a little bit of late news here, Trevino not going to be back this season. I think that that's going to be impactful. Last year against the Guardians, even against the Ashes, I know they didn't win a game, but his ability to frame pitches and help you in those spots, critical, and it gets overlooked sometimes, and you're not going to get much offensively from guys like Higashioka. Yeah, I know he has some pop from time to time, but it's not the same thing as having someone behind the plate that can consistently frame pitches and be helpful in that way. So when I look at this on the whole, yeah, Judge coming back is huge, but his presence has to be impactful in that it allows other guys to step up their level. That's where really I'm looking at his title now as captain and saying, all right, now I got to go out and prove it a little bit. You, you hit on a couple of things that I really want to talk about. I think first the pitching, like I'll go one step further. I think the pitching is going to be good. Like I'm not worried about the pitching. I don't even think that they really need to add in the rotation. Maybe they could get a bullpen piece or two. And I think that'd be fun. There's some fun rumors out there that I would get kind of excited about. 
I'm not worried about the pitching. Like I think if they get into the postseason, the pitching is going to be good. I think you're looking at the offense. I, I'm also going to be optimistic about Judge because I like to be an optimistic person. I just think that those concerns are going to work in there, right? You think back to what happened with DJ and his toe and considering that it's Judge's back foot. Like, I don't think that the Yankees would put Judge in a position where he's going to be so hampered that it looked like DJ last year where he was basically swinging like a wet paper towel. But I also know that the pressure's on to return Judge in any way, shape, or form as soon as he can kind of manage the pain. That that worries me a little bit. The Trevino stuff is interesting, too, because, I mean, the guy won a platinum glove for a reason. He's amazing. He's the best framer in all of baseball. And the pitching stats, the pitching ERA the last two years reflect that. I like Higgy. Higgy's a good defensive catcher, and that's why, especially offensively, like I'm not worried about it. Trevino's been playing through that wrist really all season, and I think you see it in his offensive numbers that maybe Trevino's half a year last year where he was an all-star, maybe that was the aberration. Like He's not that good of an offensive player. Again, you look at the back of his baseball card, for most of his career, he hasn't been that guy. Higgy's got some pop. Like I also think like what the Yankees have done is they've elected to, hey, we're not going to get offense from the catcher position. We're going to go all in defensively. And Higgy is an excellent defensive backup. And Rorkvet is a pretty good defensive catcher too. So listen, you're not going to get the elite level framing that you got from Trevino. I don't know that it takes that much of a step back. And the offense, like that's the way that they've structured the lineup where the catching is going to be a dead spot offensively, but it just puts the pressure on the rest of the lineup. And that's what makes this stretch more frustrating is that you can't afford to have empty holes in left field or in your infield because you're already kind of giving up one of your lineup spots as we're focusing on defense here. The rest of the lineup needs to bet. I look at the overarching theme of this season and I think to many people, it's been that once you reach the ALCS, again, as you did last year, and you couldn't scratch across a game, and then you go out and get Rodon. I think a lot of people were expecting 2022, but with a different ALCS ending and potentially a trip to the World Series. Andy, it just seems like luck hasn't been on the Yankee side where it counts in terms of health and, of course, the injury to judge. This is a big stretch coming up for them after this series in Baltimore they come home they have to play the Rays and the Astros I'm not one to ever say that something is a season defining moment but if there ever was going to be a time this feels like that at the time of this recording the Yankees are two and a half games back of a wild card spot if you get absolutely crushed by the Orioles the Rays and the Astros it's going to be really hard to crawl back into that race. In a lot of ways, that's what happened to the Mets, is it came down to a few series here and there that they weren't able to win, and then they're playing from the bottom of the barrel. Andy, this is a huge stretch in my mind. Yeah, and honestly, I think if you're a Yankees fan, you there's a lot riding on Judge coming back. And, you know, you've played you played the first half of the season without Rodone, like a, bit, a big arm that you expect to be contributing to that rotation. Um, but coming up, just looking at their schedule ahead, I see they have Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Houston, and then outside of the White Sox, they're they don't play a team that's under 500 for the rest of the month of August. They're they're gonna they're gonna be playing competitive baseball. That's, I mean, you didn't you said that you're not one to kind of like that likes to say things are season defining moments, but when you get to this point in August and when you're kind of like you said fighting out of a hole 
not not as big of a hole as like two and a half games is, but these these games are essentially playoff games for the Yankees, and they're they're like in a this is like a real turning point for their season. I just I'm curious to see what they do to address those holes in the lineup come the trade deadline. I saw a name they're linked to is someone like Randall Gritchuk to kind of provide stability in the outfield when, you know, uh, I saw something on a John Boy podcast the other day, how Aaron Boone said he's penciled in like 23 different names in left field since 2020 or 2021. Like that's just something that if you're a championship caliber team, you can't really expect to have journeymen kind of waiting their way, like in and out of the lineup at kind of a left field spot where you, Here's where I'll offer like a sliver of hope too. Um, and this isn't that me, Brian, and Will have talked about, especially you got to midseason. Yankees have actually played pretty good baseball against teams in their division and against good teams. And some of that some of that has been without judge. Like I think back to that there was that stretch where there was the Texas series and there was the four-game series against Baltimore. And the, the four-game series against Baltimore, you, you end up leaving it with a bad taste in your mouth because you win the first two and you lose the last two, and the last two weren't that competitive. But on the season series, I think they're a game up in Baltimore. I think they're even with Tampa, and they, they have a series lead over Toronto. And they they won the series against Texas. And going into all those games, those teams were really good. That the Yankees have, in some way, shape, or form, stepped up to the plate against the best teams in the league. And through those series, again, without Judge, that you get Judge back, and you look at this stretch, like this is, yeah, it's, hey, show us what you got now. Like this is, like, you've actually done pretty well against these teams. You better keep it up. Because if you fall off here, like then you really start to have scary conversations, especially like it's it would be too late to pivot and sell, right? The trade deadline is this Tuesday, where if you completely collapse over these next two weeks, you may have bought and then be in a position where like the playoffs, not that they're going to be out of reach, but it's going to start to become implausible if you don't play well over these two weeks. So yeah, it's a massive two weeks. Big things potentially coming in the Bronx right now, guys, just worth noting. Yankees on base percentage sitting at 302, way below the league average of 320. Supposed to be a staple of their offense. Like, that's their thing. They get on base. You've got to address that. I know a lot of Yankees fans are dreaming of Soto. I think it would be a wonderful fit. I don't think it's likely to happen. I've also heard Jordan Hicks in the conversation to potentially be a bullpen arm. I think that would be a nice fit. I'd I'd be down for that. A lot remains to be seen, gentlemen. I do want to check on the boys over in Queens. Man, oh, man, have they just given up. Despite a 2-1 to win last night over the Washington Nationals, they traded closer David Robertson to the Marlins for two very young prospects, Marco Vargas and Ronald Hernandez. Robertson now a member of the Miami Marlins. Guys, I'll take first crack at this one. And Andy, I want to get your thoughts afterwards. I don't understand this, quite frankly, because they could have waited and waited and waited on trading Robertson and could have had the market throwing a lot more at them than what they actually got. And that's not saying that Vargas and Hernandez won't turn out to be great big league additions, but they're so young. These are not ready-made guys that are one, maybe two years away. I think the reports were that the Mets could get a bigger return for someone of Robertson's stature. And he was very good for them this year. I think he was their best bullpen arm. They needed him to become a closer. He's been a closer in the past. But really, when he signed with the Mets, the idea was that he would be backing up Edwin Diaz, right? He'd be that setup man. I don't think it was ever in the script that he would be their closer unless I'm completely missing something. So 
when you look at this return that they got, it might be good in another five years, but with where the Mets are age-wise, this was not the type of return they needed. I know they wanted to bolster their farm system. That's something Steve Cohen is talking about, but you could have done that by still getting some guys that are going to be closer to ready-made products. Yeah. Um, I totally agree with you. I, I, what it looks like to me, just my opinion, it looks like a panic move by Billy Epler in the Mets front office. They see that like they had these lofty expectations going into this season with that big payroll and with the addition of someone like Verlander. But th- this move seems not out of left field. The, the, the Mets are uh, very clearly underperforming this season, but it does look like they could have gotten more for someone who's put up the numbers that Robertson has this year. Um, I'm just interested to see what they do with like going forward towards this trade deadline. If they kind of buy into this seller mentality and kind of deal the other quality pieces when starting pitching is a premium, this trade deadline, if they're going to like pull the trigger on moving someone like Verlander to kind of bolster that farm system and kind of start looking ahead to the next seasons with that young core that they've seen with the uh, baby Mets. I think they're called with, with Francisco Alvarez and Brett Beatty. Yeah, I, well, I think the, the weirdest thing, as you said, it's it's when they pull the trigger on this move. I think we all kind of odd like Robertson, a guy that is a guy that's probably going to go if they go full out on this sell. I, I think back to when the Yankees traded Chapman and Miller in 2016. It's a different circumstance because those guys were in their prime. So I don't think that you were ever going to get top 50 prospects MLB wise. Right. But. Robertson's one of the top relievers available that I still think that you could have commanded a top 10 prospect. And I think you're right. We look at the, the Giolito trade, which was, you know, made a little bit early before the deadline, but the White Sox got back the angels two and three prospects that even though the angels farm system is not one of the best, like that's a pretty good haul. Were you going to get a better haul? Maybe, but you have that on the table and you, you like the offer, you take it. I guess the one thing is that I've heard that, Two things that the Mets are really high on Vargas and that even though Vargas is the 18th prospect in the Marlins system, according to MLB.com, that those rankings might not be updated and that he could be closer to a top 10 prospect, maybe within that top 10. I don't know if that changes anything. I still think that you could have waited and probably had that deal on the table, although I don't know. Maybe we don't know. Maybe the Marlins were basically like if. You know, we don't. If you don't want to make this deal right now, we'll go and we'll look at Jordan Hicks or we'll take David Bednar, right? Like, maybe there's maybe there's that to consider. But I think on paper, you look at it and you go, the Mets got the 18 and 21st prospects for David Robertson. Like that doesn't that doesn't really make a ton of sense. I think their value is a little bit better than what the MLB.com rankings are. But I still wonder what they could have gotten if they waited, maybe like right to the deadline. I just think it's a strategical mistake. And I know we're beating a dead horse here. I would have waited until the very last minute to deal him specifically because all of the other names that are getting thrown out there that the Mets could potentially deal outside of Verlander and Scherzer, which I think would be supremely special circumstances for them to look into get, getting rid of those guys. Uh, you look at a Tommy Pham or a Mark Hanna, those might fetch you nice returns, but I think of those rental pieces, Robertson, of course, was only on a one-year deal with the Mets. Of the rentals, I think Robertson would have gotten you the best possible outcome. Four and, and two age, this season. Age, age shouldn't be a factor, right? Because it's a reliever and you're just running him for the half season. So he's been so good this year that any contender that's looking to bolster their bullpen should be willing to give up value because it, it, prime doesn't matter here. You're just taking him for the half season, right? We've seen this move countless times. 
where a contender goes out and just gets a bullpen piece to bolster themselves. I think the other thing I'll say is, I guess outside of trading Verlander, because Verlander has the second year in his contract, to me, this is the biggest sign that the Mets are willing to wave the white flag completely like they're done. Like, we could have had conversations about they trade Canna and Pham, but they hold on to, like, Robertson, Scherzer, Verlander. That, like, okay, they're still trying to make the playoffs. When you take the one bright spot out of an area uh, that is just such a weakness for them, like, this is – the Mets season is over. Mets are seven games out of a wild card spot. They got rid of one of their better postseason pitchers, I venture to say. Last season, of course, was with the Philadelphia Phillies in the World Series. Threw four innings, did not give up a run, only surrendered two hits. That was something that Mets fans had spoken about when Robertson signed with the team. Just that you're getting a guy that has proven he can do it in the postseason, did it with the Yankees. Of course, I believe that 2017 wildcard game one of his most dominant outings in the sense of he gave them some length when they needed it. And, and he was just, on the 2019 too. He was just coming up there. Yeah. So he's had, he's had a lot of postseason experience. He's a guy that's been around the block and any, this is a Mets team filled with guys that have been around the block. A lot of them might be going to new destinations. Is there someone you look at as, yeah, you could get a huge return for this guy. Is it a Scherzer or Verlander that they just look at and go, you know what, we need to think about the future and not our present? Yeah, I think it comes down to just looking at the, the way the deadline's going to pan out. You're going to get your biggest return for a starting pitcher, whether it's Scherzer or Verlander. You know, just, yeah, with Scherzer or with Verlander, you get that extra year of the contract with with it. Um, So you might get a little bit like more of that and get – uh, maybe top 10 prospects from another organization. But if if you're the Mets and you're dealing David or dealing Robertson like that, kind of like Lou said, one of the only bright spots in this roster and this bullpen for this team this season, um, I, I think it's very clear that the Mets front office is waving that front flag, looking, not saying it's impossible, but looking, look, staring up behind seven games out of a wild, out of that last wild card spot is not a place you want to be, especially at this time in uh, late July, August. So I, I think if, if I'm Billy Epler, I'm looking to get and I'm looking to prepare for the future de- and deal um, those starting those starting pitchers, either of them, just for the biggest return prospect was. Yeah, the, the biggest thing that's interesting for me is whether or not they trade Verlander. Like, I still think Scherzer can get you a nice package because I think there's some team out there that's going to go. That's Max Scherzer. I have a chance to get Scherzer at his lowest possible value and just take a chance on him, right? We've seen flashes. If you trade Verlander, I think that would be very telling about what the Mets think that their window is. Because I do think that there's a lane where you just trade all your expiring contracts and then you get to the offseason, you retool in free agency and you take another crack at it. With still Verlander in that rotation, you have saying that there's a lane that you could plausibly do that. If you trade Verlander, that tells me that they don't believe in whatever this window is. I think it's hard to narrow down what exactly the Mets window is because you have guys like Lindor and Alonzo that you go, well, this is their prime. But then you have the the Alvarez Beatty crew and you go, well, they're probably not ready yet. And then you have some old guys that feels like they're past their prime that this window is not defined for them. Again, I think Verlander does get you the best package. I think you will you would get a, top, a team's top five prospect, maybe a top three prospect for Justin Verlander. But it's just, I mean, do you want to give up on the next couple of years? Because look what the Yankees were able to do in 2016. I keep going back to that. Like, they traded their expiring contracts 
They called up all their kids. They let them play. And then they were ready to make a run in 2017. That was a little bit ahead of schedule. They didn't expect Judge to become an MVP, basically. But, I, I mean, that's the thing no matter what is. I think the Mets need to call up their kids and just let them play the rest of the season. Call up Mauricio. Call up everyone in your system that you think is ready. And just let them go through stuff. But if you, yeah, if you trade Verlander, that tells me that they don't think that they're ready for a quick turnaround. And the fact that Verlander, people think, is close to getting traded, that's very revealing about what Epler thinks about this roster. The clock is ticking in Queens for Steve Cohen and Billy Epler. Mets are going to wrap up a series at City Field against the Nationals. Then they'll go to Kansas City and Baltimore for a road trip. Guys, I want to head out west now, though. And typically, I'd be one to start with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I cannot do that on this given day. I will note, though, they did trade for Kike Hernandez. They did flip Noah Syndergaard for Ahmed Rosario, Friedman Masterclass. Nonetheless, though, today is about the Angels, and I have to give them their due as Andy's smiling there. Angels have traded for Lucas Giolito, regardless of what they had to give up to get this guy. Just Point blank, Andy. How are you feeling? I'm just excited. I, I mean, in my in my time as an Angels fan since 2014, I don't think I've seen the Angels do anything at the deadline, either sell or buy. They, they've kind of just sat and played out the rest of the season with the roster that they have with no kind of mind for the future. So seeing that they're actually taking a stance and saying our chances to win is right now and going out to get, I think, one of the better starting pitchers on the block, like this trade deadline, it shows shows a lot about where Perry Manazzi and the GM th- thinks and shows that with Otani, you know, whether he walks or not, ends up somewhere else. It shows it sends a message to Otani that we're going to win as long or we're going to try to win as long as you're here on the, in, in Anaheim. I think it's you could debate me on this, Colin. I think it's good for baseball. Like, I think the Angels trying to win is is really good for baseball. It would be good for baseball no matter what if Shohei makes the playoffs, right? That would be awesome. You can market that. It's great. But if Shohei can make it with the Angels and if Trout is healthy, to finally see the best player in baseball and the guy that was the best player in baseball for over almost a decade, right? To see them both be in the playoffs together would be amazing. And I like what you're saying, Andy, about like this is almost like, a, hey, stay here. Because I, I think the interesting thing about the Angels it's not that they don't, that they're not willing to buy. Like we're not talking about the Tampa Bay Rays. Like the angels give out big contracts. They've just been like awful, right? Pujols, CJ Wilson, Josh Hamilton. Like remember that series of moves, like angels were supposed to be a powerhouse back then. And those like, they all fell off the planet, like right away, even recently with Rendon, right? That it's like the angels have been willing to spend money, but we haven't seen them be super active at the trade deadline. This is a kind of new thing for the angels that like, yeah, why not? Because the worst thing that happens is Shohei leaves at at the at the end of the season and you're you're screwed no matter what. You have a chance here to get Shohei to stay. Like, yeah, go on and try and keep Shohei. Because if you don't keep Shohei, I don't know what your future holds. Angels get Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez for Edgar Caro and Kai Bush. Lou, you know I already like this. Now I knew Giolito was going to Los Angeles. I just didn't know he'd be wearing red by the trade headlines end. I personally still think he'll be in L.A. next year. Maybe not with the Angels. That's a conversation for another day. But no, of course, this is great for baseball. I think something we often talk about is that franchises aren't doing enough to have their teams compete. Look at a team like Oakland right now that's really going through it. You're seeing those fans kind of push back at this notion that it's somehow their fault that now they're going to pick up 
and moved to Las Vegas. Listen, baseball has diehard fans everywhere. Angels are no exception. It's good to see them really pushing for it. I think the White Sox are in a little bit of a similar boat in terms of mentality to where they look at their ownership. They look at their general manager and they say, eh, yes, you guys have moments where it looks as though you're trying to win, but then there's long periods of time where nothing happens and it just feels like you're stagnant. I think the two franchises are similar in that way. It's good to see the Angels pushing for it, especially considering they are very close. Three games back of a wild card spot, six games back of the AL West. Listen, like, so I've I've got a question here about the playoffs. So like, is this move completely dependent on if they make the playoffs, or is it a great move regardless? Like the fact that they made this move, even if they don't make the playoffs, is it still a good move? Because I've seen a lot of people saying like, if the Angels don't make the playoffs, this is an absolute failure. And I'm I think of- personally, I think I think it's a great move regard regardless of whether or not you make the playoffs. Because one, not only you're sending the message to Otani, someone who will be a free agent this offseason, that hey, we're going to try and surround you with talent. We're going to try and win as long as you're on this team. But also, looking at what they gave up, yeah, our uh, top top three prospects, but. Uh, Cuero was a catcher who was going to end up stuck behind Logan Ohapi, who showed like brilliance at what before he got injured this season. And Kai Bush, I mean, a, le- a lefty, a lefty arm, but yeah, you don't give up that as much as you could have given up for a rent for a guy like Giolito. So I think just the fact that the Angels are trying to compete makes it a good move in and of itself. I think it's a brilliant move. Giolito from Santa Monica. It's been well known he wants to play out there. Now you have him in the door. You have a chance to convince him, you know what? Maybe don't go play for the guys that wear blue. Stay here with us. Sometimes getting the guy through the door and explaining to him why this is a good situation puts you in the right type of headspace to be able to give him a great deal later down the road, especially if Shohei walks, which is completely possible. If Shohei goes and Giolito is still there, you might still get a great pitcher out of all this. Not to mention... You're very much in the postseason chase. Get into the dance. You never know what happens. Look at Philly last year. I'll even go so far as to say, if the Angels get one more pitcher, and Andy, I want your take on this. I think one more starter puts you in a different kind of conversation as it pertains to the American League. Yeah, I think someone someone I was looking at was uh, Michael Lorenzen out of Detroit, an all-star this year. Um, was an angel last year and has kind of been vocal about wanting to come back to Los Angeles, a guy from An- the Anaheim area. Um, I think just having that other start, uh, having another starter to kind of address that sixth spot, the angels run with six starters just to give Otani that day of extra rest. And that six days kind of usually been a bullpen day, a bullpen day, or just a mixed match of pitchers, having that stability to the rotation from, even if it's not an ace, a, a, a two, three guy in the rotation, just having a solid four or five guy in in that sixth spot gives the angels just that little bit more of an edge that you need to kind of play competitive baseball down the stretch. Even if it's like a, like a rich Hill or a Jose Quintana that you could get for cheap, just a guy to eat innings, like go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Carlos Carrasco. Yeah, that's another guy. Not that he's been pristine this year, but he's had moments. Neither has Quintana. (laughs) Well, I think both of them had had moments where they're decently good. I mean, Quintana just came back, obviously, but Carrasco has been up and down all season. All of this, by the way, comes as soon as the Angels take Otani 
off the trademark. You know what? We're going to we're going to hold on to this absolute unicorn of a player. And yesterday he went off, my friends, through a complete game one hit shutout in the first part of a doubleheader against the Detroit Tigers. And as if that wasn't good enough, the second game, he hits two home runs. We've never seen anything like this. Don't give me Babe Ruth. Don't give me Ted Williams. Don't give me any of these old names. They're all great players. Reverence. We all have reverence for these great, great athletes. But with the speed that this game is played at now, with the way these pitches move, the athleticism involved, this is otherworldly stuff. I'll tell you this. I'm glad that the Angels are holding on to him. But I am forever going to be curious as to what trade package that they could have gotten for him. Because I think... Like some of them would have been crazy. I remember being hyped to see like what's Juan Soto gonna get, right? When Juan Soto was the young stud. I mean he's still a young stud, but when he was really young with Washington and killing it. And I remember being like a little disappointed about the trade package. Like I guess it wasn't like the the amazing package I dreamed up. Like I wonder what the Shohei Otani trade package would have looked like. Cause you have to think it would have been like crazy. He's amazing. I- yeah, I think I think there's no trade package that would have justified trading him. You know, you oh, look at a guy like nothing's yeah. ever going to come close to his value. But I think you would have gotten like a team's like maybe top five prospects. Maybe that's too much. But there's some team out there that might be willing to do that. Yeah, I, I just think that you know if you're the Angels, you have a better chance of winning with Otani alone than for prospects like and hoping they pan out as high as high ranked as they are. I think just having Otani on your roster is the best thing you can have. And I think that's just what the Angels, Perry Manezian, saw. He said, as long as we have Otani, as he gives us a chance to win, we're not moving him. No grouping of top prospects was ever going to amount to the value that Shoei Otani gives you. Yeah. I think the funny thing about this, too, is it's July 28th. The yeah. AL MVP race is over. Yeah. Nobody, no one's coming close. Give it to him now. Otani won the AL MVP. NL MVP, a little bit up for grabs in my mind. You got some guys that could make a run at it, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Acuna, all these different players that could win it over there. AL, no, it's over. And the one guy that might have been able to rival him has been hurt for the better majority of the season. Before we do wrap up this edition of Nosebleeds, though, guys, I do want to swing around. Give me one prediction for this upcoming trade deadline. Andy, I'll start with you. can be as bold or as conservative as you'd like it to be. Oof. One prediction. I got one if you need time. I got one. I'll, I'll go for it. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. See, I, so I've been I've been on the, the Jordan Hicks train because I was dreaming about like Matt Blake, Jordan Hicks to the Yankees. But I'm actually going to go a different direction because I think it's a guy the Yankees have checked in on before and Pittsburgh is definitely in the cell. David Bednar and with the Yankees. I think that'd be really fun. I wonder what trade package he commands, just because I think you probably get Hicks for cheaper. And so I don't know that the Yankees would be willing to part with the the prospects that it would take to get David Bednar, but it seems like the Yankees want bullpen help. I, I, everything's about left field, offense, blah, 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 blah. The Yankees keep talking about pitching. And that's not like we talked to Brian Hoke a couple weeks ago, and the Yankees focus about like trading was pitching which is odd but it seems like they really want to target a bullpen arm 
I would I would be really intrigued if they made a package to go get David Bednar. I've been a fan for a few years now, so I'll go that route. Bednar three and one on the season, one point three five ERA over thirty nine games, twenty saves too, which I like because the Yankees really haven't had a firm closer. I mean, Holmes and King have served Holmes that role. Been really good, but yeah, but he can also go off the rails as we saw last year. So I would like Bednar for them as well, Lou. I think yeah, that's a, a very the, the solid. The package pick. would probably be a little too much for them, but you said get a little hot. I'm going to get a little hot. I'll give you one here. I think Nolan Arenado could be an LA Dodger. Apparently, Ooh. this is something that's being discussed. I don't know how likely it is. I'll give you a prediction. I think you'll hear chatter about it. I think it gets close to getting done, but I think there are certain things that Friedman and company will see as untouchable within the Dodger organization. They have a lot of young arms. Uh, scouts, I think it was May, might have been April, might have been before the season. They were raving about these guys on the radar gun. I don't know how willing they're going to be to part with their young pitchers because that's rare to do what they're doing right now to where they kind of just sold out this past offseason. Like, you know what? We're going to take a down year, and they're exceeding expectations. Last year, they were incredible. They didn't do much in the postseason. This year, now they're at this place where they feel like they can make a legitimate run at it because the NL hasn't panned out quite the way anyone thought it would. The Padres aren't who anyone thought they would be. The Mets, another disappointment. If you're LA, you're looking at the Atlanta Braves and going, that's the team that we would really have to take care of. Of course, there's other teams that can make a run like a Philly or a Milwaukee, but for all intents and purposes, LA is really looking at one team that they got to beat. And to do that, they might need a little bit more help offensively. I'd rather see them get a pitcher, but part of the discussion is if you get Arenado, that might put you over the top. So I, that could be something that is in the works. I don't know if it happens, but I think it does get close. I've, I've got a prediction. I think just surprisingly San Diego might just become flat out sellers by the deadline, just looking at where they're at. And, you know, they're, they're not, they're not an old team. They're they're They they still have a chance to win, but just with these hot, with the high end talent and looking at all the halls they can get with the teams that are a lot closer to competing than they are this season. I think San Diego just says, screw it. Let's see what we get for all this talent that we have. And a guy like Soto may end up in, New York or just some somewhere that's looking for a bat like I'll I'll give you another bull one. I don't think uh I don't think Cincinnati buys that aggressively. I know they've been talked about in a lot of trade packages as like a team that because they're all of a sudden in this playoff mix that they're going to go out and try and bolster their roster. I think they would try and get small pieces that they don't have to give up that much value for. I don't see them giving up top prospects or like they heard Chris Rose is talking about dreaming about them getting Otani and stuff like that. Like they're not going to make a big move like that. I don't think, I think they're still too, too young into their development that their time will come. Yeah. I like that take. They're playing with house money at this point and, you know, just throwing away your few, like throwing away prospects already who could kind of be valuable to the, t- the guys that are on the field right now just wouldn't be the right move for them. Tuesday, August 1st at 6 p.m. Major League Baseball trade deadline will officially be then. Here's the funny thing, guys. We can make predictions all day long. We could give our takes. We could be wrong by the end of all of it. We could be way off. It's likely that we are 
all wrong, but it's fascinating to ponder and to try and see what will happen, to speculate, if you will. It's been a fun time with both of you guys on Nosebleeds. Be sure to listen to Nosebleeds wherever you get your podcast, the podcast app or Spotify. For Lou Orlando and Andy Perez, I'm Colin Lochran saying so long. Nosebleeds is a production of WFUV Sports. <laughs>